This is not a case I typically cover on this podcast, but it directly relates to many of the cases that I do cover. This case is an ongoing investigation and not in the way that we're in like 20 years and still have nothing. I mean, it's currently unfolding and awaiting trial. In fact, from the time I started researching this case two weeks ago to it being released today on December 19th, 2022, I have had to go back and add new information that has only just come to light. This is the story of four women living in Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada, four indigenous women who were targeted and murdered this year. This year is coming to a close, and frankly, I am so ready for it. We have been through it with sick kids and little mini underways, leaking ceilings the last few months, and man, am I ready for a refresh myself. Nothing helps me to refresh with some perspective, quite like pulling a few cards for myself. Clarity is key when looking to move forward, and if you're in need of a little bit of that, then don't forget that private readings are open and available on my website. People ask all the time if I do readings privately, and absolutely, yes, I do. All readings are also recorded unless you ask otherwise and email to you within a few days of your session. I really look forward to meeting even more of my listeners in the new year. And to those who pledge the Patreon monthly, whether for Psychic Circle practice, the next one being December 28th, or bonus episodes with live Q&A after, next one's tonight, December 19th, Thank you for being a part of this community and helping to make this show possible. I cannot thank you enough. So let's get into what happened to Mercedes Myron, Morgan Harris, and Rebecca Cuntois, and the fourth unidentified woman currently known to us as Buffalo Woman. In the early hours of the morning on May 16th, 2022, residents of the North Kildonan Apartments in Winnipeg woke up to authorities searching garbage bins in the alleyway. Partial remains had been found there of a then-unidentified woman, and police were led back to the area. On this very same day, Morgan Harris was reported missing by her family. Two days later, on May 18th, 35-year-old Jeremy Skibicki was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in connection with the death of who authorities now knew to be Rebecca Cuntois, a member of First Nations near the western shore of Lake Manitoba. It was the partial remains of Rebecca that had led the search had led to the search behind the North Kildonan apartments on the 16th, but the rest of her remains had been taken to a city landfill on Brady Road during trash pickup. Authorities now believe she had been killed on May 14th, just two days before her body was dumped like garbage. On the 19th, authorities executed a search warrant for Skibiki's apartment that he had lived in from about October of 2021 until the time of his arrest in May of this year, 2022. At this time, as far as the public knew, they were only looking for the remains of one victim. But on June 2nd of this year, a search of the Brady Road landfill was authorized, and after two weeks, on June 15th, human remains were found as suspected in the landfill. What the public didn't yet know, though, and I feel like there are conflicting reports on this. I poured over news articles to get as much information for all of you in one place as I possibly could, one easy to listen to place. But what the public didn't yet know was that the police already suspected at the time that there were other women who were murdered by this man and who possibly the remains were left in that landfill. 
Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron were those two women. This wasn't publicly announced until December, though, six months later, and by this time, over 10,000 loads of garbage had been dumped on top of the load they suspected that the women were a part of. And on top of that load, there was also animal remains left there. And even more horrific, the garbage had also since been compacted with 9,000 tons of wet, heavy construction clay. To make matters even more infuriating, police suspected that these women were transported to the landfill on the same day that the partial remains of Rebecca Contois arrived there. It's absolutely safe to say that there's a lot we don't quite know as a general public because it's still absolutely an active and ongoing investigation, but I'm absolutely curious as to why they suspected there were more remains by June 2nd and why they weren't searched for then, even if they didn't yet know who they were looking for. We know that Morgan Harris wasn't reported missing until the day that her body was transported to the landfill, but she had last been seen around May 1st near Main Street and Henry Avenue in Winnipeg. As far as Mercedes Myron, she wasn't reported missing until months had passed by since anyone in her family had seen or heard from her. Myron was last seen on or around March 15th, 2022, but wasn't reported missing until September 26th or 27th, depending on reports. They also issued a missing person release through an organization called the Bear Clan Patrol which is a community, from what I understand on their website, a community of people working within the community to provide personal security in the inner city of Winnipeg in a non-violent and non-threatening way. According to the Bear Clan Patrol's website, the aboriginal population in Winnipeg is anywhere between 60,000 and 80,000 and is heaviest in certain inner city neighborhoods. Something that absolutely broke my heart was reading in a CBC article that Myron's mother was actually afraid to go to the authorities out of fear that something bad actually had happened to her daughter. March 15th, the day that's considered the last day Myron was seen alive, is also suspected to be the day that Skibiki's first victim was killed, the fourth and unidentified woman, Buffalo Woman. Even more grotesque is how Skibiki found these women. Skibiki was unemployed, had no car, and was on his own after his estranged wife had taken an order of protection out on him in September of 2019. That has been in effect ever since. And I'm not going to go into crazy amounts of detail about this person. I won't call him a man, but I shouldn't even call him a person. It's, it's horrifying what he has done or what he is accused of doing, I should say. He is someone who, if you were to look at his Facebook, and I honestly cannot even tell you if it's still up or not, he was absolutely a white supremacist. He fully believed that indigenous people were less than he was and that the white race was the only race. Okay. He's the absolute scum of the earth and his actions, I, I don't feel like surprised a lot of people, especially in hindsight. But anyway, um, the year before in September of 2018, Skibiki and his wife had just been married when only four days after they had said their vows, his wife actually left to detox from a meth addiction and said that she was under the influence of the drug when she married him. Her name is unknown as she is a victim of domestic violence and does not wish to be publicly named or sought out. He had met her as also an indigenous woman. He had met her at a homeless shelter, the Salome Mission in February of 2018. And shelters are where he continued to meet women who were in an incredibly vulnerable state and seeking warmth and safety. 
so he offered them his apartment. Skibiki's apartment wasn't far from the area where Rebecca Kuntois' partial remains were found, and a friend of his who chooses to remain anonymous said that he must have seen at least half a dozen indigenous women coming and going from Skibiki's place from October 2021 through May of 2022. So jobless and without a vehicle... Skibiki didn't have much money to spare after his rent was covered by unemployment and income assistance. Every day, Skibiki took the bus to the Nadonawamak shelter for both breakfast and lunch, and this was how he would meet vulnerable women. His ex-mother-in-law referred to these shelters as a predator's playground. Skibiki's anonymous friend told authorities that he could now see how predatory the behavior actually was. And another acquaintance of his, also choosing to remain anonymous so that his family doesn't know he's living homeless, said that he had seen Skibiki offer his apartment to a woman who had been denied access to the shelter because it was full at the time. While the friend had seen half a dozen indigenous women coming in and out of the apartment on McKay Avenue, he alleged that Skibiki had told him that he had at least 30 or more women in and out of there. Though he was never clear in what his relationship was to any of these women, there would frequently be drug paraphernalia left behind. And I hesitate to comment, but is that surprising? It seems that he sought out the most vulnerable piece of an already vulnerable population. And to make matters worse, a friend of Myron's, Ruth Roulette, someone who had seen all three of these missing women at one point or another, told CBC News that most homeless women are very aware of potential predators, but no one typically pays attention to what they say, so it goes unattended to. Furthermore, it drives women to have to choose between a warm place to stay and eat for the night and being out in the cold where they're potentially safer. All three of these women, Morgan Harris, Mercedes Myron, and Rebecca Cuntois, reportedly use soup kitchens and shelters in this area. And while police haven't confirmed, it's likely that this is how they were approached by Skibiki. Though let's remember innocent until proven guilty, he has been charged with, not convicted of, any crimes yet against the four women, to include unidentified Buffalo woman. Which brings me to my next point. The bodies of Myron and Harris have not been recovered and are believed to still be in the Prairie Green Landfill on Brady Road in Winnipeg, with the unidentified woman's body as well. According to Winnipeg Police Chief Danny Smith, They have enough evidence to charge him, even though they don't have the bodies of the three women. The police have deemed it infeasible to search the landfill for the remains of the other three women, as too much garbage has been brought to the landfill since they were left there. This logically makes sense to me, but what I 100% cannot wrap my head around is the way that they allegedly told the family of Morgan Harris that not only was, was she deceased, but that they didn't have her body that they suspected she was a victim of a serial killer, and also that they won't be looking for her body in the landfill that she's now resting in. So on December 5th, police gave her family a PowerPoint presentation to explain why they would not be searching the landfill the very same day that her daughters Kara and Cambria were told that the authorities even knew where her remains were. Her sisters did what any good sisters would do, and they left for Ottawa with First Nations advocacy groups demanding the federal government step in and make this right. In the middle of this ongoing missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and two-spirit crisis, Smith made it clear that the Forensics Intelligence and Technology Department made the decision and that the police had not been made aware that there were other remains outside of Rebecca Cuntois until a month after they had wrapped up their search for the remains of Rebecca. They claimed that searching for Rebecca was only possible because they knew the general area that her remains would be in, 
that they were also able to stop more garbage from being dumped within five hours of her being left there. Not only that, but there wasn't yet any construction clay left in the area either. Myron's family says that they have no idea how to even have a funeral when they don't have her there. Myron wasn't in a good place when her life was taken, and according to her grandmother, Donna Bartlett, from Long Plain First Nation, Mercedes had begun living on the streets after her children were placed into foster care. She kept hoping that she'd see her granddaughter again and knew that she was going through it. So believing that the worst could not possibly have happened, she didn't contact the authorities, like I said, until September of 2022. Morgan Harris's story will leave your heart even more broken than it probably already is. According to her family, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, Morgan Harris's great-grandmother living, was living in a landfill to survive. Her great-grandmother's name was Eva Francis, and she and her husband Donald left Long Plain First Nation to avoid starvation from the less-than-enough rations assigned to the indigenous persons from the federal Indian agent assigned to their reserve. The family found themselves living like many others from the area, many other indigenous persons from the area, staying at the McGregor Nuisance Grounds, otherwise known as Landfill. In the 1940s, they were displaced by upgrades being made to the highway system, and Eva, Donald, Eva's mother, and their children were on the move again. In the 1960s, they were living in a small encampment on the side of the highway and were offered a, quote, settlement of tracts of land to be built on. Harris herself spent a lot of time in the child welfare system and was a third-generation residential school survivor. If you don't know what that means, look up residential schools for Indigenous persons on Google. Harris's cousin, Kristen Whitwicky, also from Long Plain First Nation, wrote about her cousin, and you can find the article linked in the show notes. Let the devastation of the lack of change in treatment of the Indigenous people in North America really hit you with this quote from her article. Over 100 years later, and nothing has changed. Those in power sat idle while Morgan's great-grandparents and her grandmother were forced to live in a landfill to avoid starvation on a reserve. Here we are, over 100 years later, being told by those in power that Morgan's final resting place will be the landfill. And Morgan's daughter, Kara, asks, how can you even fathom the idea to leave them there? These women are deserving of a proper resting place, not to be left alone in a landfill in the dead of winter. As of December 1st, 2022, Skibiki has been charged with first-degree murder of Harris, Myron, and Buffalo Woman. On December 8th, operations of the landfill had actually been paused after countless calls from Indigenous leaders and families, and the police board has since reconvened in an effort to find a way to search for the remains of the final three women. They want to make sure that the search is safe and that no one actually searching is in any danger of noxious gases being released or any sort of explosions or anything else that could happen while searching the landfill. However, when I first started looking into this case, when I first heard this story in very early December, it had not been discussed that they would even potentially resume operations to search. So I'm happy to see that that has since shifted. On December 14th, the Grand Chief of the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs announced that the federal government will pay for a feasibility study for a potential search of Prairie Green Landfill. 
First Nations Family Advocate with the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs has repeatedly asked the federal government for funding to keep a database of missing Indigenous persons in the province and could link to the area's homeless shelters, but the funding is repeatedly denied. They're asking that an end to the lip service... If this sounds familiar to you from another recent episode, an end to the lip service and action to be seen. Stay tuned to the news and I will absolutely be posting updates as they become available in this case. This is an ongoing crisis that demands more attention. If you are someone who is affected by the details of this case or require support, you can contact the Manitoba Kiwi'inoe Okamau Konak Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Liaison Unit at 1-800-442-0488 or 204-671648. Thank you for being a part of the show, and please come back Thursday for another new episode, and I'll keep you updated as this case further unfolds.